Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. All right. Welcome everybody to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. It's my privilege I'm Sonny Spirit. It's my privilege to fill in for Drew Bynes while he does some baby time and daddy time and husband time and all that time that we uh, we so preciously hang on to and has asked me to fill in. So I'm filling in for him. And I have on as a guest today who uh, has become actually a good friend of mine who we met through the FIFA service group yeah. podcast yeah. and uh it's been a pleasure getting to know Tony and his journey and his fellow. Let me give you his background first, and then we're going to get right into his story because he's a 30-something, and I think he can give us a tremendous perspective on what he deals with on a daily basis and what he deals with in, in going forward because he's you know he could always say, hey, you're one of those gray-haired guys. You had it easy. And I could say, hey, you're one of those young guys, Gen Xs, that, that you think everything's handed to you, the trophy generation. And we'll, we'll, we'll just skip all that, but we'll get right to it. So, <laughs> so let's just, a little intro, and I'm going to read this because he was fortunate. He was uh, very uh, thankful for sending this to me. So Dr. Cruz McLeod received his bachelor degree from Fairleigh Dickinson University in 2007. From there, he attended University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, UMDNJ, for you people who know that area, now known as Rutgers Dental School in 2012, and completed a GPR residency at Kings County Hospital Center in his hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn in the house. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Got it. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're, we'll get into a discussion on the Nets or Knicks later. There's <laughs> not I much of a discussion to be had, but okay. I have some very strong thoughts on that. So There's not uh, much of a discussion to be had, but okay. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. McLeod encountered hundreds of clients with various dental phobias. He has dedicated himself to implementing gentle and he efficient techniques to dispel these fears. Dr. Cruz McLeod's favorite procedures are Invisalign and pediatric dentistry. Uh, namaste. Uh, <laughs> outside of dentistry, he enjoys exercising, coaching local football and basketball teams, spending time with family and friends. And it is a pleasure to welcome you aboard. Thanks Pleasure's for being mine, here. Sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Very Great excited. to have you. Great to have you. Tell us, tell us a little bit of we're going to get to hopefully a lot that's going to unravel as we speak. 
but tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about your journey. So, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson graduate. Correct. Did you correct. consider the dental school or was the dental school closed at that point? So the dental school was closed at that point, but they closed. did have uh, a seven-year program. So originally I chose Fairleigh Dickinson because of the seven-year program. Okay. So the deal was uh, you do four years of, I'm sorry, three years of college and then mm-hmm. four years of dental school, get the fast track. And coming from New York, all I really knew was NYU. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I looked at the price difference, I wanted to transfer into see what UMDNJ was talking because, I mean, it's a clear like 15, 20K a year difference. What was mm-hmm. at the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of freshman year, I decided, you know what? I don't want to do college in three years, so I'll chance it and do it regular. So I dropped out of the program and said, I'll apply with the regular cycle and, you know, see what happens. Um, and thankfully it worked out. Thankfully it worked out. I got in first try. Um, but yeah, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson then from there to UMDMJ. Actually, I was class of 2011, but my freshman year, I ended up going on a spring break trip with the fellas and I broke my right arm. So I had to repeat a year. So I ended up doing dental school. I enjoyed it so much. It took me five years to finish. Wow. That's, that's not everybody makes that track, right? No, um, yeah, it was a, it was a So what other, what other schools were you looking at? UMDNJ, did you look at Stony Brook? Did you look at NYU? I know you talked uh, about the I'll be service. honest. I only visited UMDNJ. They had this gateway to dentistry program where you kind of came in for like two weeks and kind of shadowed a little bit. And I was sold, you know, it looked, mm-hmm. it looked hard, of course, you know, you know, you definitely saw students who looked very frazzled, but to me, you know, it seemed like, okay, the faculty, everybody knows the same faculty and, you know, coming from Fairleigh Dickinson, it's not that big of a college. So you get to know your faculty. So to me, that was kind of important. You know, I wanted to kind of get that feeling of, okay, if I do have a problem, I can talk to Dr. Blah, 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 or Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the, the, the cost was nice. You know, yeah. um, I thought about applying to Maryland. I thought about applying to NYU, but when everything was said and done, I only really applied to UMD and J and just figured, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll figure out something else or try in the next cycle. So, so let me out. ask you this. Since you did five years, did you pay five years full tuition or did they give you any break because of the broken arm? I paid not full five years, but like four point seven nine repeating. <laughs> You know, um, they, they took a couple hundred bucks off. Yeah, they, you know, they 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 threw in like the the seat warmers or something like that. But you know, they still charged me full fare. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, at the time, I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better, and I was just more concerned about you know getting back into the fold. You know, mm-hmm. I had to repeat the whole freshman year. But because I had to repeat the whole freshman year, I only really repeated for two classes, the lab classes. So I was taking tests left-handed in class just to bubble in scantrons just to get through whatever i can get through so year two i only really ended up repeating for like gen dent and dentures or something like that mm-hmm. um so i was the class scribe because i had a lot of free time so i figured let me make a couple extra bucks all right in, in your in your years in your dental school experience did you gravitate towards one discipline did you did pediatrics excite you or what was uh, it no I, honestly i just kind of wanted to get out and see what would, you know, strike me when I got out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I wasn't one of those kids who did all that well academically where I could say like, oh, I want to be the orthodontist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, all right, well, I'm doing an extra year. Let me just get out of here and figure out what I like in the real world. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, pediatric kind of always was in the back of my mind, um, but never wanted to go through the schooling for it. Like I said, just wanted to kind of get out and see what else life had for me here 
So you, you did the one-year residency. So you went yeah. into that. And at that point, was New York State still requiring a GPR for, for licensing? Correct. So you pretty much had Correct. to, right? Correct. Now, were a lot of your classmates probably weren't really New York people, per se. Probably were more Jersey. Majority of them Jersey. Yeah, majority right? of them were Jersey. Majority. Yeah, because I found that at Buffalo, you know, as a state school, pretty much everybody was downstate, upstate, or, you know, somewhere yeah. in New York State. It wasn't, was yep. a couple of kids that came across the border from Canada. And we didn't have very many outsiders, let's say. You know, it was pretty much a state school and everything else. So you're in your residency and in your residency program, was it structured so that you got really good introductions to the different disciplines or how was it structured in dentistry? So I chose my residency specifically because essentially, and I, I don't want to say it like this, but if you can sell it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I placed like 50 something implants in residency. In one year. Uh, Correct. I did awesome. a sinus lift and bone graft. You know, um, I did this, so, this one woman, this one case, you know, she hated her partial denture and we ended up placing, I want to say 10 implants in the maxillary and I want to say five in the mandibular plus the sinus lift. Uh -huh. You know, like if you could really argue it in terms of what it need, you know, Hey, this needs mm -hmm. to be done. Let's do it. Here are the costs. If you could sell it to the client, then absolutely. So from that end, it was like, okay, well, on Thursdays, I think we had free time. So, you know, I'd place two implants and then do like an extraction socket preservation, all, you know, cool stuff. You know, I did implant over dentures just to see what I did and didn't like. Um, same thing with Pete's, you know, certain tough cases. Mm -hmm. So you, so you're doing that, that level of surgery, you know, one year out of school, did you look, say, did, did that, sounds like that, that's got to excite you then. I mean, the surgical part, that's, that's a oh, absolutely. That's difference from pediatrics. Honestly, at first, I thought I was going to be an implantologist, you know, like huh. somebody told me that the record was like 71 or 72. So going into it, it was like, OK, well, if I do about one, if I knock out about one a week, you know, if it takes me blah, blah, blah to catch up, if I do two and hit my stride. And I want to say at one point by February, March, I was placing like three a week, something like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, in theory, I was on pace. But at the time, I wanted to be very surgical. But the reality is once you become an associate you don't get to place implants as much, if at all. It's not the option, because you're the new guy and you may not stick around. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Okay, so as you're wrapping up your residency, what was next for you? What was the next step? Just finding out what the next step felt like, you know, like I, I realized in residency, okay, well, I've done a little bit of everything I wanted to do. Um, but this isn't how I can treat private patients. You know, mm -hmm. residency is go, 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 go. Let's get it done by five. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always, well, let's extract the tooth and place an implant. It's, it's sometimes it's, it's just extract the tooth and get them out. So I needed to know what the touch was in terms of, I guess, client service, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so as you're finishing, though, are you looking for an associate position, or what, what were you? Oh, what yeah, was your no, next I, step? I, what was your next I, career step? So, my next career step, I went straight to work in Connecticut. So, I okay. was, I and I can say this now, I was moonlighting the last like two months yeah. in Connecticut whenever I could, and I was taking extra call during the week so I could have my weekends off, so I could mm -hmm. be in Connecticut on Saturday, so that when our residency was done that Friday, that Monday, I had full employment in Connecticut. 
So okay, so the, so, the, mm -hmm. so the place you were moonlighting was ultimately where you were going. So you kind of had wrapped that up. Correct. Before, yeah, smart, yeah, Correct. just like you're going for that record, man. I see, I see yeah, you're just, a little driven. Just, I like well, that. I mean, at the end of the day, coming straight out, you know, the loans don't stop. You know, That's as right. soon as you're out, they want their money and then rent is due and living in Brooklyn wasn't exactly cheap. And, you know, like you said, if you're in New York, you have to wait a certain period for your license to kick in. Well, Connecticut, they just need to see that you graduated. Yeah. So I had my Connecticut license in the tuck. And as soon as one thing ended, I went straight to work on the other thing. And I did that for about three months until I found something in New York, which was closer. So you took your boards then, I'm assuming? Your yeah, ADAC? correct. So, correct. Okay. So you have options, right? Right. right? right. That's good. Smart. So, very smart. So, I, I like your thought process, man. I like the way you think. And, that, uh, that was one of those, you know, driven. looking back, it was one of those that I look back at because, I mean, I was waking up at like 4.30 in the morning to hit the Q train at 5 to get mm -hmm. to Grand Central by this time to get to San Bear, no, Fairfield, Connecticut by 8. And then the day would end at 6 and I would get do the same thing back and get home by nine, eat something, mm -hmm. shower, go right back to sleep and just do the next, you know, just had to get to the week. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so you take this job, what appealed, what, what, what appealed to you in this job? And, and then I'm going to ask you what kind of things did you learn when you were there? So what, what, what appealed to you in this job in Connecticut? Well, one that they would hire me. You know, being 100% honest, you know, coming okay. straight out, you don't really get to choose and negotiate. You know, I have a lot of mentees that I speak to. And as soon as they graduate, I let them know you're starting at the low totem pole. You know, all you're hoping is somebody shakes your hand and say you're hired. Okay. Um, and Connecticut gave me a very good situation. And they were understanding of the fact that I was commuting all the way to. And, you know, they compensated me for some travel. So, okay, well, it's just time. I have to <laughs> wait to get a job anyway. Might as well. Uh, now, if you, if you don't mind, how was your compensation? Were you paid pretty much a salary or were you paid commission or a little compensation? It was hourly, if I remember okay. correctly. I want to say it was like 70 an hour. Okay. Which coming out was, you know, pretty legit. You know, like uh -huh. starting in New York, you could come out 400 or 500 or 400 to 450 a day. You know, a day. If, mm -hmm. if, I'm, if I'm clocking 70 an hour, okay, well, I'm getting like maybe 600 or so. Okay, well, this is at least worse travel. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it was a nice office. It was beautifully, it was kind of a brand new-ish office. It was relatively well run, uh, I'm sorry, well run. Um, or so I thought at the time. It was relatively, you know, well, well run. Um, what was the patient mix for you? It was honestly so early on, I didn't understand that it was like Medicaid and all that. Like, I didn't know. It was just, you know, patient comes in and you did, did, did dentistry and I didn't stick around that long to really find out the intricacies. Um, mm -hmm. My first real job, real job was a job in Riverdale where I got to learn like the insurances, capitation versus PPO, union plans, things of that nature. Um, okay. And the speed. Um, what time, what time, what chance, at what point, excuse me, what point did you leave? So you were in Connecticut, I'm, I'm, I'm saying three or four months, I'm thinking, it sounds like. Yep. yep. And, and so, then you went to Riverdale, which is New York City, right? Correct. As soon as I got my license, um, I had, I want to say every other Wednesday off and I would use that to interview. So it was, you know, okay, I think like three or four Wednesdays went by before something presented itself in New York and it was a full-time position. So I just transitioned from one to the other this way, like I said, you know, before no lapses. Mm -hmm. um, no and grass that grows was under your feet. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, Sally May at the time, not now Navient, but Sally May at the time. 
that's, well, that's real life, man. That's real life, you know. And no, it's, it's it. nobody, you know. I had a, I had a uh, dental professor. I'll never forget him. And he was our neuroanatomy professor. And he was an ornery old guy. And mm-hmm. he, and he he just handed you the textbook and the slides and said, "Here you go, teach yourself." And we hated every minute of it. And I, we had a bunch of people that would go up and complain. And I'll never forget, as long as I live, I can almost do his voice. I won't do it now, but his voice. And he'd say, you know, and he, he would say, you looking for sympathy? And, you know, sometimes a person would be like, I guess so. He goes, you can find that in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. That's it. And, and so you're like, okay, you know, so okay. I put it in perspective. And just like this, right? You looking for sympathy? No, it's, you found your way. And, and, and I guarantee that's going to, that's going to bode you well the rest of your career. So, um, so let, let's, so, so now you get this position in Riverdale and it's how many, you said full time. So how many days a week? What was your practice breakdown? Now? Um, it was four and a half and the guy owned three offices and had me splitting one in Riverdale, which like you said is in the Bronx and the other one in Westchester. Okay. Um, and that I would honestly say is my true first real job in terms of like, you know, six month recalls, like getting to see people for a longer period of time. I had that job. I want to work. I want to say I worked there about a year, year and some change. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to learn how to pick up speed efficiently as opposed to just residency speed, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a little bit about insurances, what insurances, you know, were and weren't working and why we were taking this and why we weren't taking that and why I can't do this. And I needed a pre-off before that. Um, are you still being paid salary or are you now getting this? This one was, this one was a daily draw. So this one was, I want to say 450 a day or 500 a day. I, I want to say 33%. So draw against commission. So your, yeah. your, your draw was, was it guaranteed the 450? Correct. Correct. And then if you made over that and 33% of collections, production? Collections would go on a bonus check. I want to say once a month. Okay. And how about the paperwork? Was, was everything up front? Were you able to kind of check that? Were, did you have a confident level that everything was fair and above board? So here's why, so here's why I left that office. Um, <laughs> you're so wise. It's like, you know, where I'm going. well, no, I'm asking because it happens a lot. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of discrepancies and it's like, you just get in there, get in there, get in there. And, and you know, let's bring them in, bring them in. And, and just, he's almost like, if I don't talk about it, you won't ask it. And I'll take advantage of your naivete. Uh, and it's unfortunate and and it shouldn't happen, but I've heard that story before. So so please tell. So, I mean, long story short, um, it ended up somewhat litigation. I ended up realizing it wasn't worth chasing down the money that would have been owed. Um, and it just became a situation where I realized, okay, as an associate, I don't really have that many rights and the blink of an eye, whoever is supposed to be paying me could just not pay me. And truth be told, you know, I've worked in three years of associateship. I've probably worked at least 11 different offices total and at least three guys off the top of my head still owe me money. Well, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point do you say, Hey, I'm going to get off this merry-go-round and I want to own At What point did you come to the self-realization that, Hey, I've got the DNA I want to steer my own ship. At what point did that, did that trigger? So my last office that I worked and I stayed for about a year and a half and that was faithful. I was working there uh, full time. I'd gone from two days a week to full time. It was in the financial district. And in my eyes, for whatever reason, I told myself that if I can work in a Manhattan setting 
and be comfortable there, I should be able to own my own. Because, you know, being a city kid, people want things now. They don't want to pay for it. They're going to have complaints. Okay, if I can deal with the city pace in dentistry and be able to run things behind the scenes too, then that works out perfectly. So I came in there, you know, wearing scrubs and left there wearing a shirt and tie and, and, and slacks. And, you know, it, it got to the point where I realized I was running this guy's office for him. No bad now, blood. He and I still speak. Mm-hmm. How did you learn the shirt and tie end? I got tired of patients walking out and then asking to see another doctor. Or I got tired of people asking me if I were the hygienist or if I were taking the x-rays. Um, and one day, I think I just, honestly, I, I may have just ran out of scrubs, just didn't do the laundry, didn't drop off the laundry in time. And it was like, you know what, let me just put on something. And I said something to the boss at the time. And he was like, yeah, dude, you got to telling you, they'll, they'll listen if you're dressed up properly. And from that on, up until COVID time, I was in at least a polo and some slacks and shoes. It made a difference. I had to make up for my age. You know, the simple fact, I had to make up for I don't have grays. Uh, I had to make up for my age. Somebody's got to believe me. That's right. I you want to be same thing you, but Because you are older, by, by process of elimination, they're going to yeah. come to you. Yeah. So, but you had to learn in order to, to, own, to get into owning your own practice, at this point, you had to have some formulation of what you wanted that practice to look like or still not there yet? Uh, I knew from, like I said, I, I jumped from job to job to job just because I knew I couldn't be comfortable in most of these scenarios. But I knew what I didn't want. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot of what I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And the office that I worked in before I bought my office, it was run well with little gaps here and there. Obviously, because I'm there all the time, I see it more than most people but because i was noticing the gaps okay well if i had my own i would do this so it Mm -hmm. became now i'm gonna look for an office that has this this and this already there or at least this that i can program into that and then i can take from this guy's system that guy's system what didn't work in that guy that guy that guy's system and put it together so i had like a rough sketch but obviously you don't know once you're until you're in it what you got to do you know you truly don't you know i i i say that now looking back and i remember i was working with two two young doctors and i was an associate in there and this practice came up for sale in a small rural town and i was like i think i want to do this and i remember talking to them and 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 i was and i was thinking let's do this it'll be another office and and we'll become partners and this will move into the fold and they were like no we don't want to go out there do what you got. And I was like, I, I think I do, you know, and then I had to have that conversation where I was like, I, and I, I, I didn't say I'm ready to run my own ship. I think I said, I want to run my own ship. Yeah. And, it. and, and from there, you know, it, now you're, you're swimming, you're thrown in the water, you either swim or sink, you know? So, you, and if you're driven to do it, you're just going to do it. And sometimes mm-hmm. it takes that to get there. So in your situation, uh, you're now looking for a practice. So take us through that. So you, you're looking for a practice to purchase. And how did you go about doing that? What, what, just give us, give some of our yeah, listeners. Absolutely. How did you research and how did you get out the word that you're looking for something? So the first thing I did, I, I, I went the Craigslist route. The first okay. thing. Um, back when, I don't know if Craigslist is still even around anymore. Honestly. Oh yeah. yeah. It is. Okay. So I went the Craigslist route. Um, and that didn't turn up anything real. Um, my first attempt, this actually, the office I have now is uh, my fourth attempt at buying an office. 
um, attempt at actually buying. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. So the first attempt was uh, one of my closest friends. His dentist was looking to sale. Um, okay. And I, I didn't have any parameters. I realized that if I wanted an office, I knew I wanted an office that didn't take many insurances, if any. Okay. So I knew that I had to be prepared to move out of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured, okay, well, let me find something I can move to as opposed to trying to force something up the block. So mm-hmm. this guy was looking to sell. and. I want to say he wanted 20000 up front from me. That's all I remember. And I remember thinking to myself, something doesn't sound right. And then I remember looking at the numbers and saying, oh, yeah, no, this really doesn't sound right. Um, and then realizing now there's a thing, there's a difference between wanting to sell and wanting to retire. Some people like want to sell and some people don't. Like he didn't really want to leave. He didn't really mm-hmm. want to walk away. It just sounded good to talk about. Yeah, somebody, somebody somewhere said, listen, you're this age, you should retire. Right. right? You know, you, you or need an exit said, strategy. Like, you know, aren't you done with this already? You know, yeah. not necessarily I'm, ready, ready. Yeah, I'm turning 57 tomorrow, and it's, it's hysterical because that's what everybody said. What's your exit strategy? I, I don't have an exit strategy right now. My, my strategy right now is to keep going, keep growing, yep. keep, 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 keep it on, you know, just yeah. keeping it, doing it. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe short-sighted, I don't know, but. It's funny. And I think that you get that from the outside. Just like if you were to meet with somebody about financials, they would come in and say, well, when do you want to retire? And then, you know, oh, 55, 65, whatever, you're going to pick a number. And, and I still, to this day, if I have that conversation, my answer is I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not going to give you a date because I don't want to retire. When Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.